Republican from the Midwest, Lawrence E. King, is serving a 15-year prison sentence for a multi-million dollar fraud. But financial crime is only half the story. The Franklin Federal Credit Union was a small people's bank in Omaha, Nebraska. Larry King was general manager. Thank you. This is especially an exciting day for me. From 1979, Larry King developed close commercial ties to Boystown, and Boystown youngsters were sent to work for his companies. Boystown, Nebraska is America's favorite children's charity. Located in the heartland of America, Boystown youth have come from many backgrounds and locales. King used Boystown as a source of young boys for his business and for sex and drug orgies. We didn't go to Nebraska with a conspiracy theory in our minds, hoping to prove it. We went to Nebraska to try and work out what happened, and we found a conspiracy of silence. Welcome to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Ryan, Josh, and Larry. What the f***? Okay. I told myself. It's a conspiracy. I told myself. I'm just saying. I'm after just saying. the election, I would calm myself down. Right. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. We're going to make podcasts great again. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> sure, if that's in our wheelhouse. Oh God! Uh, today on the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast, we're going to be talking about the most disgusting conspiracy that I've ever come across: the Franklin cover-up. Oh, and um, well, just uh. Cup your drinks close to your chest and keep yourself covered up. Not sure if you want to use cups or chest or close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I think before I get into this gross, disgusting, alleged conspiracy, mm-hmm. alleged, I'm saying very weakly, it's pretty much known. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you guys known. a few amazing facts to kind of lift our spirits a little bit. Okay. You know, because I don't, I don't want us to think, I don't want us to think about, um, I don't want us to be in a negative headspace. I want us to be able to take this information, learn from it, and um, you know, become a better person. Okay. So, if you put all the Earth's ants in one pile and all the Earth's humans in another pile, the pile made of ants would be bigger. That's Ooh, creepy. I got one for you. Okay. Go ahead. Did you know that the blue whale's heart is so big that we could actually like navigate through the heart ourselves what that's news yeah. to me like a slip and slide <laughs> yeah, a big bloody one yeah sure did you know butterflies are cannibals <laughs> really there's a happy thought that is like the most it's kind of beautiful and horrifying at the same time like did you know turtles can breathe out of their butts <laughs> I do. I I do that myself, actually. 
don't understand how there is a breath, literal diagram way. of a turtle breathing, breathing in its anus and it looks like something out of H.R. Geiger's <laughs> nightmares. It looks like a David Cronenberg like wet dream. It's just bad. It's creepy. Steve, your breath is horrible. <laughs> Frank, just, your breath smells like shit. <laughs> I'm just imagining when you like you hit a turtle in Mario and like he goes skidding, he just hyperventilates because he's like ass is just overloaded. A pig's orgasm lasts thirty minutes. Oh, oh, those lucky bastards! That's <laughs> well. So that's they like... get that and bacon. Wow, yeah, their 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 orgasm lasts fifteen times longer than my actual sex. <laughs> I fucking hate pigs. That's why bacon's so tasty. A pencil has the potential to draw a line thirty-eight miles long. Damn! Oh, nice. Reach, reach for your potential there, number two. The largest air force in the world is the U.S. Air Force. The second largest air force in the world is the U.S. Navy. <laughs> A Nintendo had over twice the computing power of the first lunar lander. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Did you, do you think they had to blow into the lunar lander? Lander? <laughs> Come on, Neil. Blow on it. Oh, it's just blinking at me. It's just blinking. I'm getting a start screen, but after that, everything goes jaggy. <laughs> Lighters were invented before matches. Wow. Really? One sperm has 37.5 megabytes of DNA information in it. That means a normal ejaculation represents a data transfer of 50. 1,587 gigabytes in about three seconds. You have to blow into those, too. <laughs> mm, I just swallowed 1,587 gigabytes of I feel DNA. smart. I feel so much smarter. <laughs> you are what you eat. All right. And the last one that I'll say for, the, for this fine, fine day is, um, did you know... That when a male bee climaxes, <laughs> their testicles explode and they die. <laughs> Sex sucks. Would it be worse to be a praying mantis? Because it, like a male praying mantis, don't they get their heads eaten, eaten. by the female? Yeah. Same with the black widow, I believe. Wow. Yeah, well, I, I would go with death over my balls exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, here we go. Cue the most sad Godspeed you, Black Emperor music, and turn the lights down low. Pour yourself um, a glass of wine. Light a, here we go. We start our Franklin cover-up conspiracy story with a little boy named Johnny Gosh, who was 12 years old. He was a paper boy in West Des Moines, Iowa. When he disappeared that, on September 5th, 1982. That is like the most Midwestern name I've ever heard. Gosh! And, and as a paper boy. It's <laughs> a paper boy in Iowa. Gosh, Johnny! The news says... Hi, I'm Johnny Gosh! <laughs> it's like a sitcom <laughs> from the... Is he, who, who is he? It's like I, a sitcom is, from the 60s. Like his catchphrase would, would be, gosh darn it. <laughs> I don't want to talk bad, too bad, but... I can't help but laugh at that because you're right. The name totally 
the and and the thing is, if you he's a he's he was a cute kid, and just the name Johnny Gosh, it's just like it it is it's there. It's Silver Spoons, man. That's that's what it is. He wore that so anyway, shorts suspenders combo over the white t shirt. Right, of course. So he went to his paper out in the morning and um sorry and a minivan pulled up asking for directions he got a little leery walked away Mm -hmm. and then the minivan flashed its dome lights three times and another man came out and supposedly he was lured into the van what time but no one actually saw exactly when it happened um early early morning september 5th 1982 so may have probably was still dark out then yes okay I was trying to piece um, together the dome light thing. Well, it's it's uh, it's how this whole thing really kicks off, and and kind of the through line. Like I, um, my my sources for this are the documentary on Netflix, Who Took Johnny, the documentary on YouTube, Conspiracy of Silence, which I highly recommend you all watch, and also the book, The Franklin Cover Up by John DeCamp. Um, the leader of the Franklin Committee, or not the leader, but one of the more important individuals in that case. And also, if you love podcasts, I'm assuming you have checked out Last Podcast on the Left and Sword and Scale. They both do great episodes about this topic. So, he disappeared that Sunday, September 5th, 1982, in the suburb of West Des Moines. Um... He, um, like I said, didn't wake up his dad. He disappeared. The the man got him. And that was that, right? It's another child disappearance story, but it sucks. Yeah. Um, and trivia, this was uh, actually the case that started the whole, um, have you seen this slash missing boy girl on milk, milk boxes? Okay. Um, so... <laughs> Let's take a little journey to that reminds Omaha. me I'm sorry I hate to no, go on go a ahead. tangent here but before the invention of phones I knew the ingredients of every breakfast cereal out there Oh right no you're right <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> I I knew all the the weird names of the colors and poisons they put into my fruity <laughs> yeah, pebbles Yep yeah. solved many a maze Right <laughs> got Barney freed many times so meanwhile in omaha nebraska we have um larry king and larry is not the cnn talk show host but memphis where are you calling from well from memphis larry (laughs) larry um is the most evil man i've ever come across in anything i've ever read ever other than hitler Wow. And maybe like certain serial killers, but you'll see why. Okay. Um, he sang the national anthem at the 1984 Republican convention in Dallas and throughout mm. the 80s was oh. described as a GOP high roller and the fastest rising African-American star in the Republican Party. King name dropped this all to a Omaha Weekly Metropolitan in 1988. Um... He was tall. He was corpulent, which I guess means jeweled. I don't know. Like he's blinging. 
Yeah, exa- there you go. King had a fine fondness for flowers, fine tailored suits, expensive cars, mansions, chartered jets, and glistening jewelry. There wow. you go. He had a hand in an array of businesses, but his day job was general manager of the Franklin Federal Credit Union, created to provide loans for the underserved black community. He was vice chairman for finance of the National Black Republican Council, a sanctioned affiliate of the Republican National Committee. King also chaired the Council of Minority Americans, a nonprofit group that sponsored a $100,000 gala at the 1988 Republican Convention in New Orleans. The so host he's a committee included... Sorry, what was that? He's a pillar of the community. Yeah, well, he he's like a, a weed in a perfectly cut lawn. He just... So my you, front yard. You thought you sprayed everywhere. You thought you cut everything, but somehow he covers all the bases and he, he rises. Um, the committee that he, in 88, um, included former President Gerald Ford, Alexander Haig, and Jack Kemp. A 10-minute videotape featuring King and Jack Kemp urging blacks to vote for George Bush Sr. was shown at the gala. On November 4th, 1988, federal agents descended on the Franklin Credit Union. The National Credit Union Administration ultimately concluded that $39.4 million had been stolen. So, wow. rather than, rather than um, coming together to investigate what I'm about to tell you, just like every crime, every case ever, it all comes down to money. Yeah. Yeah, King was indicted on 40 counts, which included conspiracy, (laughs) fraud, and embezzlement. Current Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, then chairman of the Equal Opportunity Commission, described King as a friendly person and said his legal travails were unfortunate. Okay. That was also the Clarence Thomas that was under the sexual harassment. You remember that? Yeah, it wasn't... (sighs) Yeah, he was like... Pubic hair on the Coca-Cola. Yeah. Oh, God. Long dong silver. Was the movie he recommended to his secretary or something? Right. Larry King had been dogged by accusations of pedophilia for a number of years. Wow. So, among the first accusers were Euless Washington, who claimed King flew her out of state to pedophilic orgies. She had been adopted by relatives of King's in the 1970s. Her new mother was King's cousin, Barbara Webb. And her new father was husband Jarrett Webb, who sat on the board of the Franklin Credit Federal Credit Union. To Euless Washington, King had been an uncle Larry. Larry King set up the pedophile ring, says Euless. And from the no- from their knowledge and what he saw go down, this is part of um, uh, Nick Bryant's uh, book, The Franklin Scandal, by the way. From my knowledge and what went gone. He was the man who got everything moving and rolling. He's the one who took care of moving kids around from Boys Town and to different nationwide pedophile networks. Um, Shortly after the Franklin raid, they were, it was revealed that everything went through him and that obviously this man loved boys. By the way, $39 million inflated to now is the equivalent of $101 million. Wow. 
Wow. Um, shortly after the Franklin, Franklin raid, rumors of a nationwide pedophile network swept Nebraska. In January of 1989, a subcommittee of uh, the state's legislature convened in Lincoln to investigate both Franklin looting and the whispers of far worse crimes. And I mean far worse. The worse subcommittee than- would be called the Franklin Committee and was chaired by the 64-year-old Loren Schmidt a corn farmer, stalwart Republican, and 24-year veteran of Nebraska's legislature. The Franklin Committee had not even started its work when Schmidt received his first anonymous phone calls. Schmidt told by reporters for British television that the caller had urged him to drop the inquiry because it would reach the highest levels of the Republican Party. Ulysses Washington's initial reactions... Allegations are initial allegations of child abuse appeared in a 1988 report from Nebraska Foster Care Review Board, a state agency that reviews the plan services and placements of children out of home care to ensure their optimum welfare. Through the report contained a series of allegations about Lawrence King. Its centerpiece consisted of interviews of Eulis by a Boys Town youth worker. Eulis stated that she and the Boys Town students had been transported across state lines for sexual exploitation. After the board requested a law enforcement investigation, its report moved through channels at the Omaha Police Department and the State Attorney's General's Office in July of 1988. In the absence of child abuse indictments, the state house swelled with rumors of a cover-up. So, uh, as I said, the Omaha Chief of Police, Robert Wadman, told the Lincoln Journal that the OPD, Omaha Police Department, had pursued all leads and found them unsubstantiated. Um... Regarding Euless Washington's case against um, King. Um, yet, Chief Robert Wadman would later confess that the OPD never contacted Euless. And three months after Wadman's remarks, the Boys Town youth worker who had interviewed Euless told the Omaha World Herald that the OPD had never contacted her either. So there's a through line of corruption here. You've got the police are doing bad. You've got, um, later on you find the the press is doing bad because members of the press are involved. It's all higher echelons in Nebraska. And somehow this man who's supposedly Stop. making $17,000 a year being the general manager of a credit union. The higher echelons of Nebraska. Hey, <laughs> there's higher echelons of everywhere, my friend. I'm the higher echelon of this damn basement right now. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I wouldn't call, say, your house. If my wife was down here, <laughs> I'd be demoted. <laughs> Hell, I know the cat's down here, so uh, I'm demoted. I know yeah. the feeling. Poor Josh. Poor Ryan. Um, okay, so I want to quick give you guys a timeline here, because a few years before this, we'll say... Johnny Gosh is kidnapped by dome light flashing minivan creepoids, right? He sounds like the polar opposite of Johnny Rotten. <laughs> he's like the squeaky clean version yeah. of like, yeah. Instead uh, of the R- sex pistols, he's in the band. Um, he's in the the love guns. <laughs> no, that doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a different way of saying sex pistol. So would that be like a uh, love abst- squirt. abstinent stick? 
<laughs> that just sounds dirty too. I, I had I an abstinence stick until I was sixteen. <laughs> Friendly phallus. I don't know. Um, all right. So King was noticeably absent from the controversy that swirled around him, and um, eventually, like I said, in 1988, um, they did actually finally go, hey, uh, where's the $40 million that we're not finding? (laughs) And because of that, they investigated him. Long story short, they found out that there was a secret room that no one except for special people, according to Larry King, could go into in his office that he had set up. As I said before, he was a flashy guy, and he um, was a sick bastard um in july of 1989 uh senator schmidt who uh released a three-page report urging his subcommittee to find out where the money went because their previous taxes had yet to yield an indictment um found uh, as an example schmidt cited a 2800 credit card receipt that showed king had purchased a coat for a man who was later found shot to death his death would unconvincingly be ruled a suicide. You also notice, I think I've already mentioned this, but a lot of people get suicided. It's mm-hmm. kind of a term. They just die all of a sudden. Two shots to the head. They want to make sure they die. So, um, when they kill themselves. Yeah. I always a, aim for the back of my own head. <laughs> Every time I've committed suicide. You just put your gun <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'll so, see you. That's how do you commit suicide? <laughs> Uh, the shift in direction of the subcommittee prompted three members, including its chief investigator, Jerry Lowe, to resign. In a World Herald article, Lowe stated that Schmidt informed him that there was a pressure to stop the investigation. So these people, um, like I said, I've, I've gone around it. You know that like the Euless case happened, and you, you probably know that eventually something's going to come out here. Um, and they're getting pressure from that upper echelon of Nebraskans, those uh, gold-plated shovel farmers. Uh, So that's when Gary Caridori comes into this. He's the chief investigator. He is assuming undercover disguises from priest to plumber. Caridori had a talent for finding teenage runaways enmeshed in prostitution and drugs. Caridori was a former Nebraska state patrolman who had founded an investigative firm in Lincoln, Nebraska, and the Lincoln Journal loved him. When the police tell you their hands are tied, when your only witnesses skip town, and when the justice system seems like it's breaking apart, people would call Gary Garadori. Now, Caridori, um, like John DeCamp, the guy that wrote the Franklin cover-up, Gary Caridori is like the other hero of this um, this whole story, if there are to be any heroes, really, because it's just it's kind of like how we all feel right now, two days after Trump. Uh, I mean, sorry. Um, so after Car- Drain Commissioner Tyson was elected, I know. I get that, that feeling exactly. again. Caridori <laughs> went to work immediately finding new victims and perpetrators and enemies he'd never anticipated. An old friend of ours, I'm sorry, an old, uh, ours, our uh, old friend of his who used to work for Lincoln Telephone came to his house and told him that his phone was being tapped. Caridori's wife, Sandy, a middle school teacher, had suspected it. He arranged meetings over the phone with FBI agents who would already be there, and when they arrived, um, 
there's some audio that you can actually find. Really? Because the FBI is at the same time because they do they do missing persons cases, right? That's usually right. the that's usually who you want to go to, and in this case, that's kind of who they want to deal with, being that um, some of these people were missing and or it seemed like it was it, you weren't getting anywhere with the police, especially with dealing with Robert Wadman. Um, so they have these really short conversations, basically, and the FBI is being just as bad as as Wadman is. Um, the drunk guy in the park asshole. Uh, in November and December of 90, 1989, Caridori interviewed Alicia Owen, Troy Bonner, and Danny King, who had no relation to Larry King, by the way, all in their early 20s. Owen was serving time in the Nebraska Center for Women at York for writing bad checks. That's Alicia Owen. While Bonner and Danny King were living in the Omaha area, Caridori recorded their sworn testimony on over 20 hours of videotape where they described having been Ooh. flown around the country as underage prostitutes and attending grotesquely sadistic pedophilic orgies. Ooh. Larry King had organized wow. it all. Ew. In December of... <laughs> what's that? Ew! I know. Um, okay, so... In, in that December 1989, Schmidt's committee uh, gave the videotape statements to Attorney General Spire in Nebraska's U.S. Attorney. Um, Caridori also videotaped a fourth victim who I'm going to get to, and I've decided wow. I'm going to only read one of the testimonies, and that'll yeah. be soon, <laughs> because I can only handle telling one. Um, there, In previous podcasts, I've heard two to three. Um, but I think because I am also a parent, it is, it is really hard to talk about these, this stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll do Paul Benassi's, um, in a little bit after we take a break, but, um, almost immediately anonymous sources started leaking to the Lincoln journal and the Omaha world Herald that, um, one or both of the young men videotaped by Caridori had failed FBI polygraphs, which was wrong which is false. The FBI refused comment, but state Senator Jerry Chizik denounced the leaks as a violation of federal law. Having been around a lot of investigations in his 53 years, he said in a Lincoln Journal article. How messed, how messed up is that? That they're putting victims through lie detectors? Like, I've never heard of that before. I haven't either, but it gets... It, I promise that you, it gets so worse. That is so messed up. Worse. Well, and the problem with the lie detector system, I mean, it is still something that you would look at, I guess, the results, but they there is a way to cheat the lie detector. I don't think a kid's going to cheat the lie detector, though. But well, maybe the no. question... Do you think maybe the questioner can cheat it? Is that what you mean? Well, it could be... The whole thing can be cheated. Okay. It, it depends on the type of question you're asking. So, I mean, yes, it could okay. be from either side. It's an easily cheated system if you know how to do it. Wow. That is messed up. Well, thankfully, it doesn't get any worse, does it, Ryan? No. Nope. <laughs> By May of 1990, Caridori had compiled a list of 271 people who may have been oh, victims, perpetrators, what? or witnesses, and submitted it to state and federal investigators. In June of 1990, Caridori warned the Schmidt Committee 
that the Douglas County grand jury was being deliberately misled by the influence of the state patrol investigator and various people in the FBI. He voiced his reluctance to furnish the evidence he was amassing to the Nebraska State Patrol and FBI as the subcommittee had ordered because they were using it to sabotage the investigation. Also, I, I didn't mention this, he totally got flight itineraries from two different charter ser- services that King had used to take kids around the country from um, Boys Town. Well, um, hopefully he saved us frequent flyer miles. Well, these itineraries didn't have passenger manifests. Oh, see, so that's naturally rookie mistake. Didn't ha- <laughs> the cash those things in. You know you messed up when you don't got an itinerary. Yeah. I need to know if I'm going to have a soda on this flight or a, a full meal or if I'm going to have time to get up and take a whiz. Yeah, you're just going to get that shitty little bag of peanuts. Six nuts. <laughs> yeah. Planes are so bad. I actually oh, feel I like when I was younger, it was a lot more fun to fly, but now it's just gotten worse. I wouldn't know. I haven't flown. I don't think I've ever been on a plane. Oh, no, one time in my life, and that was when I was like a kid, kid, little. Yeah. It's bad. Um, Yeah, it's just gotten worse. Now it's like, you it's want like that a, bag of nuts? It's a flying You're going to have bus. to dance for it, monkey. Dance! Um. Caridori also testified that he had been trying to obtain pictures of King's orgies. Some of the victims what? he interviewed mentioned a photographer named Rusty Nelson, which that's the most unfortunate <laughs> oh, oh name. Oh, my God. It sounds like a move. Gave her the named, old Rusty Nelson. Named Rusty Nelson. I'm a photographer. <laughs> no, nah, sounds like an old baseball player. <laughs> Shake your shit around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rusty Nelson. <laughs> just gross. Like that name just oozes fucking gunk out of the back of like a F one fifty that's been around since seventy two. That name comes with a molester mustache. Oh yeah, totally. And then there's a little bit of peanut butter and like mis- motor not, oil mixed into it. That's not peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Uh, anyway, he was a photographer in the Omaha area who was employed by Mr. King, alleged to have taken pornographic photos of children. Um, Caridori referenced five videotape exhibits and an Omaha Police Department report implicating Nelson in a possible child pornography, noting that he lived in a luxury apartment that, guess what? Guess who paid the rent? Larry King. Yep. That's true. He said, King hired me to take pictures of adults and children in compromising position. Ooh. Yeah, so the idea was that if he got pictures of famous people mm-hmm. with little kids and the picture showed the adults, who the adults were and the kids were, it was perfect for blackmail, right? Right. Oh, was, yeah, it, yeah. So, in a way... As he was the rising star, he was gaining mm. all this momentum, and he was also setting himself up to com- mm. completely prosper from his gallivanting and, and, and wild spending. Yeah, Senator, turn your head to the right. Yeah, yeah, make love to the camera. And the 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 mission was that the content of the pictures and the events surrounding them would be an instant end to the politician's career. Right, <laughs> at least Rusty Nelson. Our favorite photographer went on to say that King had uh, attempted to pressure him into hardcore activities and their relationship fizzled. 
he says that that's the what F- ma- okay whatever he was like hey he was like hey that's too hey, i am an artist <laughs> you take me out you take me from out behind my lens i'm nothing tell about the art yeah 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 as our lighting is good in here yeah the fbi then started to harass rusty as not to force his disclosure about King's pedophile ring, but to sil- but made sure to silence him. He fled Nebraska and moved to New Mex- Mexico, where Caridori first contact- contacted him. Now, Caridori, you know, has amassed all this testimony. He's he's brought it forth. It's just getting shot down. When finally he gets in contact with this Rusty Nelson guy, he's like, "Is this going to work? Is this what we need? Can can we can we can we do this?" and Rusty Nelson, who kept a lot of things. He's like somebody I'm going to introduce you to after our break, Mr. Paul Bond. Actually, yeah, we'll, 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 get, we'll do a break before we do the testimony. But um, So Caridori phoned uh, Nelson, and they set up a meeting in Chicago. Caridori, who at the time... Let's see, Larry, you'll, you'll know this. Mm-hmm. Um, he took his eight-year-old son, AJ, and they flew in a single-engine Piper Saratoga from Lincoln to Chicago on July 7th, 1990. The mission, he said to his wife, was to meet Nelson and then go to the Major League All-Star game with his son, mm-hmm. which was in Chicago. Um, Gary Caridori, this magic man, met with um, Nelson, who gave him pictures, and they got out of there, basically. Caridori basically looked over the evidence, phoned Senator Schmidt from Chicago, exclaiming, we got them by the short hairs. That'd be the pubes. Exactly. And, you know, in my mind, I picture like a, a mixture of like Columbo and like uh, the dude from the Death Wish movies. What's it, Charles Bronson? Like that's who I <laughs> picture Gary Caridori. Yeah. <laughs> Watch those two breed. <laughs> picture like two big stacks of cigarette smelling piles of like <laughs> roast beef only like three good mm. eyes among them you mean to tell me <laughs> we got these guys by the short hairs that's right senator they're going down so guess what they took all the evidence they went to court court said <gasps> Wow, these people are terrible. And then Larry King was sentenced to death. They all died. All the pedophiles jumped into the river and drowned themselves. And all the kids went on to have great settlements. And, <sighs> and they all got married. And, and that's it, right? Great. Sweet. We can go home now. All right. Wrap it up. Now, Plugs. Real life. Wait, what? The plane crashed. The one that he took his son to the All-Star game after the he plane got the committed evidence. suicide? The Piper Saratoga crashed around 2 a.m. on July 11th as he left, uh, shortly after he left The plane Chicago. committed suicide by shooting itself in the head twice. Um, it crashed in a cornfield, killing both Caridori and his son. Remnants wow. of the plane were scattered up to 1,800 feet from the fuselage, indicating Ooh. that it had been broken up in flight. Two days later, FBI agent Michael Ma and a colleague delivered a subpoena to Caridori's grieving widow, demanding all of her husband, Frank, all of her husband's Franklin cover-up evidence. Wow. Wow. Not only was that fucked up, but when the plane crashed, um, 
Caridori's investigative assistant, Karen Ormiston, told the investigators from um, a, a television show that basically the Caridori's vehicles had been tampered with before his death. Uh, they, she believed that the plane had been sabotaged. Many of his possessions yeah. were missing from the wreckage. They couldn't find the briefcase, and lo and behold, some FBI agents did show up to the wreckage, which is Weird. totally shitty. Yeah. And the FBI doesn't show up when a plane crashes. No. Especially when it's a single plane engine. Senator Schmidt, having not had the evidence anymore, submitted an affidavit saying that he'd been warned that Caridori's life was in danger. He also wrote a letter to the National Transportation Safety Board regarding the missing back seats of Caridori's plane. I do not know anything about sabotage, but I've been told that a phosphorus-type bomb would, in fact, vaporize metal and any other material with which it came in contact with, and that unless someone knew what they were looking for, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to detect. Hmm. I'm sure that the, those will scoff at such a suggestion, but there have been entirely too many violent deaths associated with this investigation. Kind of like the Clinton found. No, sorry. No, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Oh, you. Um, so, before we take a break here, remember Noreen Gosh, Johnny Gosh's mom? Sure do. The one who was very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Um, rightfully so. <laughs> and rightfully so. Yeah. We, we mentioned that. So, when there's two things... <clears throat> There's the first thing is that um, all the info that she gathered from her investigations and and from hiring investigation, she found out that one of her neighbors actually saw um saw the green minivan that took Johnny. Of course, it was a minivan. So, well, yeah, they have lots of room in them. You take the seats out; they're really comfortable. Yeah, right? A lot of kicking space in there. And then you could put the child lock on it and at some point the um the mom I wanted to bring back around she she had heard from a neighbor that the, a certain detail about the van and she knew that if she had kept that in her mind the 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 green van and the man and the dome light and that whole mm-hmm. thing like there were these certain descriptions she knew that if she was ever to get to to the bottom of like what happened to her son that whoever was involved would would know those details uh, well that's where paul bonassi comes in to this whole thing okay. because paul bonassi was one of the kids that supposedly um was part of the franklin pedophile ring and um he had testimony that Gary, Gary Caridori got, which you can find all on YouTube. And um, I think before we take a break, I'm going to read this testimony. Um, be warned, uh, listeners, this is um, intense. And um, it is, according to... Oh, hold on. Sorry. So sorry. Hold on. Because remember, I was going to ask you one thing before we did this. Yeah. And that and that yeah. is there's how many testimonies that are there's out there? Uh, there's testimonies from all four of the main victims. 
that okay. um, came forward and talked to Caridori and or were part of the grand jury indictment. Okay. Um, but this is um, probably the most... Paul Benassi doesn't mince words, and he also um, suffered from multiple personality disorder. Mm. And according to his psychologist, uh, he couldn't lie. And that's what he told John DeCamp and what made John DeCamp, I think, fall down the rabbit hole with this whole thing. Now, I wanted to ask because, I mean, obviously, we're only doing the one. Where would you rate this in the four and two? There's one that's so bad I can't. Wow. Yeah. So this isn't even the worst one. And there's three more, obviously, that that you were not doing. I don't want to. I don't want to tear down anybody. This is what when the when the whole cover up pedophile ring thing really hit me when I when I was reading it, and then when I first heard it, it was on last podcast on the left, and at the time, Marcus, the main researcher for their show, when he was talking about it, he they played Mister Rogers after they finished saying it because it was like we need a palate cleanser. I don't think we'll do a palate cleanser, but I think that it's not a bad idea to take a deep breath and slam a little bit. And yeah, so um, um, now this is the testimony of Paul Benassi. Um, this is when finally they um, had their grand jury indictment and um. Now, when this finally happened, okay, and I'll talk about grand juries and kind of the whole thing. It, it, you you you're able to do it when um when you when you do this sort of a court procedure, it's it's basically in secrecy, so mm-hmm. as to not you know you're you're going in front of a court so you don't taint the jury. It won't you, or exactly, or you won't have any repercussions if, like, oh, say okay. you worked at Walmart or something and you saw something. That's the idea. So, I just People wanted Walmart. to preface preface that. Okay, but Paul Benassi um, stated in his testimony, <clears throat> "I went in January of 1984 on every trip that Larry King paid for. I was paid by men King knew for sex." Now, keep in mind, he's like 12, 13, Ugh. 14. Um, in Not the summer even. of 1984, sometime I went to Dallas, t- Texas, and had sex <laughs> with several men King knew in a hotel. I flew on Wyan Air Airlines and Cam Airlines normally for King. I never had much personally to do with King, only went where he told me to go. In or on July 26th, I went to Sacramento, California. King flew me out on a private plane from Epley Airfield in Omaha to Denver, where we picked up Nicholas, a boy who was about 12 or 13. Then we flew to Las Vegas to a desert strip and drove into Las Vegas into some ranch and got something, then flew on to Sacramento. We were picked up by a white limo and taken to a hotel. I don't remember the name of it. We, meaning Nicholas and I, were driven to an area that had big trees. Now, let me 
sidestep this a little bit. Supposedly, this is Bohemian Grove, which we will probably have a whole separate episode Ooh, on. Yeah. It's a super rich, elitist, 1% white hangout that the president usually goes to once a year. But Reagan, Bush, Nixon, Harry Shear, they've all they all like to go there. Anyway, supposedly that's what he's talking about here. We, meaning Nicholas and I, were driven to a big area that had big trees. It took about an hour to get there. There was a cage with a boy in it. Oh, my God. There was a cage with a boy in it who was not wearing anything. Nicholas and I were given these Tarzan things to put around us and stuff. They they told me to have sex with the boy and stuff. At first, I said no, and they held a gun to my balls and said, do it or else lose them or something like that. Holy shit. I began doing it to the boy and stuff, and Nicholas Ugh. had sex and stuff with him. We were told to F him and stuff and beat on him. I didn't try to hurt him. We were told to put our penises in his mouth and stuff and sit on the boy's penis and stuff, and they filmed it. We did this to the boy for about 30 minutes or an hour when a man came in and kicked us and stuff and hit us in the balls, Ah. picked us up and threw us. He grabbed the boy and started having sex with the boy after we did. Jesus. The man was about 10 inches long and the boy screamed and stuff and the man was forcing his um, his self into the boy all the way. The boy was bleeding Ah. from his rectum and the man tossed him and me and, and the boy right next to me he grabbed the boy and blew his brains out. What the fuck? The boy's blood was all over me and I started yelling and crying. The men grabbed Nicholas and I and forced us to lie down. They put the boy on top of Nicholas who was crying and they were putting Nicholas's hands on the boy's butt. They put the boy on top of me and did the same thing. They then forced me to have sex with the dead boy. Uh, what the f- Nicholas put a gun to our heads to make us do it. His <clears throat> they made us kiss the boy's lips and eat him and the anus. Ugh. Then they made me do something I don't even I don't want to even write so I won't. What the After the oh. men grabbed Nicholas and drug him off screaming, they put me up against a tree and put a gun to my head, but fired in the air. I heard another shot from somewhere. I then saw the man who killed the boy drag him like a toy. Everything, including when the men put the boy in a trunk, was filmed. They they took me with them, and we went up in a plane. I saw the bag the boy was in. Ugh. We went over a very thick brush area with a clearing in it. Over the clearing, they dropped the boy. One said the, man, the men with the hoods would take care of the body for them. I didn't see Nicholas until that night at the hotel. He and I hugged and held each other for hours crying. About two hours later, the men... And Larry King came in and told us to go take a shower since we had only been hosed off at some guy's house. Oh, my God. We took a shower together and then were told to put on those Tarzan things again. After we were cleaned up and dressed in these things, we were told to put on short socks, a shirt, and shoes and driven to a house where the men were at with some others. They had the film because they recorded a film of the boy in the cage in them. And they played it. As the men watched, they passed Nicholas and I around as if we were toys and sexually abused us. <sighs> they made Nicholas Jesus. and I have sex again, and one of the men put the dead boy's penis in mine and Nicholas's mouth. I didn't want to write this because the man forced me to bite the boy's penis and balls off. It was gross. Uh, and I saw the film where it happened, and it freaked me out so much. 
what they made us do afterwards to the boy. They showed us doing everything to the boy. I was there for about five days attending parties, but only recall cutting my wrist, which is why I stayed two days in a hospital under a name I can't recall. Some guy paid paid for it for me. Yeah. And that's it. If you're looking right now at me for some sort of comic relief, you can go fuck yourself. That is disgusting. That is like, I can't, like, Holy here's, f- when, you, when you have something like this, it's like, I can't wrap my mind around that kind of evil. So it seems unreal to me. It almost seems like, like made up. It seems like a movie. Like, like, even like worse. the movie Hostel. Like, that, like it, <sighs> I, I can't even wrap my brain around yeah. this. Like, it, I, like, I'm 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 stuttering (laughs) because stammering because because I don't I don't know how to react to something like that. I mean, I've got I've got two little boys now, and dude, don't even don't even go down that path, bro. Yeah, this is it's so so so. Basically, you see now why this case um just just destroyed me when I heard about it, and then hearing the testimony of these kids. Now, what I just read to you. Granted, that was a testimony from I, one of them. There are other testimonies. I don't recommend you seek them out, but go ahead. Um, I'm assuming these two kids were kidnapped. Yes. Okay. Because you know, I was trying to, I was like trying to figure out why they were on planes and stuff. So I assume they were kidnapped then. And well, like, I got one last big, big, big thing to to mention to oh you God. before we, why? we take a break. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we we the the audience. I think if their reaction is about the same as Larry and I, I think maybe we need to take a, a break. And I I I don't know I don't know what we're gonna do for I'm that gonna break. Go to, to be honest, like well, what do we? I'm going to church. What do you play? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Guys, take a drink. Take a deep breath. Uh. <laughs> So, Larry King's insider was Craig Spence. He um, organized the late night boy parties slash Ugh, that's not sex party. parties Ugh. at the White House, the politician parties, right? Um, one of those nights, Paul and somebody else was in a closet and witnessed something. It was a politician who walked into the room. He didn't notice them. Because they were hiding and they were being quiet. It was a politician and a black boy and a white boy, 14 and 15. Uh, what politician do you think that was? I won't make you guess. Was, it was supposedly George Bush Sr. That's uh, part of the testimony. I don't know about that. I mean, I guess it could be true, but... The man is supposedly doesn't lie, and he's unca- incapable of it. Just, but that's yeah. that's those are some of the I, I won't tell you everybody like I said the Nebraska bigwigs were tied into it they had parties with the kids getting Nebraska bigwigs hey man somebody's got to be a big booted man in Omaha <laughs> I'm sorry it's hard to break it's hard to joke let's I, let's go yeah. wash our faces off let's let's take a quick run through the shower quick shower ourselves from 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 top to bottom and we'll be back after this clip maybe we'll do something funny here <laughs> yeah okay good luck with that <laughs> sorry 
For the last seven years, I've been investigating the cover-up of a child prostitution network centered in Nebraska. The guy who spearheaded the abduction of Johnny Gosh was affiliated with this ring. Hey, how you doing? Come on in. Pitched to Rolling Stone, Harper's, The Atlantic Monthly, Vanity Fair, The New York Times Magazine. Everybody uh, thought I was crazy. They photograph it, they, they film it. The whole purpose for that is to either blackmail you into staying with them or split your mind up so that you don't even remember who you are. The FBI has been informed as to everything that has come out of Benassi's mouth, and that was done by his attorney, John DeCamp. I submitted it to them, and it was like a, a forbidden zone I'd entered where they won't even communicate on it or talk to you or even reply. The reason the FBI won't discuss Benassi is that they feel he is an uncredible witness because of his role in a sex scandal that rocked Omaha. In 1989, the Franklin Credit Union scandal burst into the headlines. Paul Benassi was one of the witnesses who made shocking allegations of child sexual abuse by some of Omaha's most influential citizens. We are back and we're talking about the most fun-loving thing ever. Our episode today is on trolls, right? And by fun, he means heinous. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I am sorry. That testimony was rough. Yeah. But... Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. You know, you had the death of Gary Caridori and his son. You had the Paul Benassi testimony. Mm -hmm. Testicles being held hostage. So hopefully this second half of this episode is where things get better, right? right? Yeah, of course. Don't you dare say wrong. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> On July 23rd, you 1990, the Douglas County Grand Jury declared that the allegations regarding King's pedophile ring were a carefully crafted hoax oh, that was scripted Jesus by a person Christ. or persons with considerable knowledge of people and institutions of Omaha. Though the grand jury report didn't specifically name the hoaxers, it alluded to Michael Casey, a freelance writer, Alicia Owen as being the primary instigators, and it stated that Gary Caridori, only two weeks dead, had been a part of introducing this and participating in this hoax. The grand jury determined that the hoax was perpetrated for financial rewards tied to the movie and book deals and civil litigation. The grand jury acknowledged that Alicia Owen and Paul Benassi had been abused, but conceded that the adults they were accused were innocent. Owen and Benassi were then indicted on multiple counts of perjury 
Alan Bear, one of the prominent Nebraskans originally named by Bonner, Owen, Danny King, and Benassi as a pedophilic perpetrator, was also indicted on two counts of adult pandering. In a strange twist, Euless Washington didn't recant her allegations about King's pedophile ring, but she wasn't indicted on perjury charges. The Douglas County Grand Jury Report was not only contradictory to this, but approached the bizarre, quoting Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth. rumor is a pipe blown by surmises, jealousies, conjectures. Extending the metaphor, the grand jury then named various rumor mongers who played so feverishly on the rumor. The foreman later admitted that Special Prosecutor Van Pelt had played an integral role in writing the report. The Franklin Subcommittee released a five-page response denouncing the report, citing its numerous animalities and contradictions. Bonnie Casentino, who appeared before the grand jury, was implicated by the report as one of the rumor mongers, who was a member of Concerned Parents, an advocacy group for alleged victims, and she had volunteered second-hand information on King's pedophile ring to the Franklin Committee. Casentino claims that she was badgered and derided by Van Pelt's prosecutorial assistant shortly before she took the stand. Now, I want you guys to understand, too, Mm -hmm. two of the four of them actually got suicided as well. (laughs) Of those four kids. Jeez. Naturally. One of them. I'm sorry. The Troy killed himself later, but um, Troy Bonner, whose testimony is also horrible, um, and that's like three of the four that are horrific, but um, his testimony is 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 horrible and they killed his brother and then he wow. pretty much shortly after that killed himself um, because he got railroaded and then they, they the FBI tried to make him get Alicia Owen not to testify but she did <sighs> okay so you assume that from after all this testimony from these kids right something good eventually even though they're you know, being told that what they're saying is a hoax Mm -hmm. crafted to make money. So in preparation for Alicia Owens pre-jury trial, Rosenthal, um, who was, uh, her representative basically subpoenaed the phone records which indicates she spent 2,185 minutes talking to the FBI Omaha field office between January 23, 1990 and February 21, 1991. She made 153 calls from her office and 21 from her home, placing the calls between 7.40 and 10 p.m., and they ranged in length from one minute to 175 minutes. Wow. In preparation for Owen's pre-jury trial, Rosenthal requested... Um, Vuk, eh, Vush, Vush Tick sit for a deposition in, in a written reply to Rosenthal's request. Vush and Tick stated that she would only be deposed if certain conditions were met, including two hours alone with Owen. Rosenthal responded to Miss V, we'll just call her, mm-hmm. letter by procuring a subpoena ordering her deposition. According to an affidavit sub- submitted by Rosenthal, he then consented to have discussed the case informally at his office rather 
then force her to sit for a deposition because her testimony is also horrible. At that meeting, um, the affidavit states, Vuktek divulged to him and Alicia Owens' mother that Vuktek had had sexual (laughs) relations with the agent Mott while she was representing Alicia Owen. Miss Owen was serving as an ad hoc paralegal for Rosenthal in return for her for his pro bono representation of her daughter. Miss Owen later repeated the same story under oath and passed a polygraph test concurring Wushtika's confession. Wushtik subsequently denied her confession and even attending and even at, attended the office conference. Um all right, I'm getting off track here a little bit. Alicia Owens' 1991 pre-jury trial. Um, at that trial, the state had called more than 40 witnesses against her. So it doesn't seem like anybody has her her back other than, like, Caradori, DeCamp, and... Dead people. Yeah, dead people. In his testimony, Mott recited a litany of Owens' alleged lies. Appeal attorney Fogarty later enumerated examples where Agent Mott acted as a know-all, see-all, hearsay exempt witness when testifying about the FBI's interviews with Owen in prison, all conducted without a Miranda warning. Because I, I didn't tell you guys this. Um, these kids who went forward to talk about this... Yeah... They went to jail. What? Yeah. Jesus All, all that, and then they get to go to jail? Right. Fuck. <sighs> Fuck. So, they, it's like the worst thing that ever happened to them. And they're being told they're liars. Yes. And perjury, I mean, is a big deal. Yeah. And the FBI is not helping them, so they go to they go to jail. Mm. 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 Um Alicia Owens appellate attorneys appealed her conviction on several grounds including prosecutorial prosecute prosecutorial judicial and juror misconduct. Specific motions included pre perjured witness testimony, denial of Miranda rights, the jurors using a dictionary to define reasonable doubt, and the judge being a practicing attorney. All the appeals were denied. In October 1993, now remember Troy Bonner, he's the one of the other witness or kids, and also the one whose brother was killed and the FBI was threatening him. And when he went to um, Gary Caradori's funeral, there were FBI agents like staring him down. Um, that's fucked. Tro- Troy Bonner submitted an affidavit uh, alleging that threats from the FBI compelled him to lie before the Douglas County Grand Jury and at Alicia Owens' pre- per- perjury trial. His affidavit also states that he delivered Alicia Owen to Chief Wadman on several occasions. Chief Wadman, the guy from earlier, the asshole, mm-hmm. he uh, molested Alicia Owen. Ugh. Of course. <clears throat> Bonner contended that the death of his brother, Sean, like I said, who, ostens- who ostensibly shot himself in the head twice, was the primary motive for his affidavit. He felt that his brother's death was a message for him to remain silent because he had repeatedly confessed to lying to the Douglas County Grand Jury. <sighs> breathe in, breathe out. According to an affidavit submitted by Senator Schmidt, the FBI threatened alleged pedophile Alan Baer, 
but considered cooperating with the Franklin Subcommittee in exchange for immunity. Schmidt's affidavit states that attorneys representing Bear relayed relayed to Schmidt and two others affiliated with the Franklin Subcommittee because <clears throat> there was a Franklin committee, committee set up to investigate the missing money and all that. And then the subsequent child um, rapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that FBI agents dispensed a life-threatening warning to Bear to ensure his silence. So FBI fucking blows. Yeah. Fucking blow institution. That's what FBI stands for. <laughs> I think when so. Gary Caridori initially videotaped Alicia Owens' testimony, she voiced her reservations about coming forward, saying she had been warned that talking would endanger her or family members. On November 7th, 1990, as Owen awaited her per- perjury trial, her 17-year-old brother Aaron was found hanged in his cell at the Lincoln Correctional Center. His death was ruled a suicide. Nonetheless, she never recanted her version of events. He and Alicia him- Owen wasn't released from prison until 2001. He hung himself after shooting himself in the head twice. <laughs> And falling into a cement block head first. Yeah, right. Just like th- he was trying to recreate like a Bugs Bunny thing, like yeah. do the, you know, as all deal. suiciders do. Right. <sighs> so anyway, Gets- there was a documentary that came out mm-hmm. from Yorkshire Television on the United Kingdom pr- produced this documentary called Conspiracy Silence, which you can watch on YouTube. It was to be shown on the Discovery Channel, but the Discovery Channel pulled the plug before it was finished. One of the most noteworthy aspects of the documentary is an interview with former CIA director William Colby. Colby directed the CIA's Phoenix program in South Vietnam from 68 to 71, and Captain John DeCamp had been one of Colby's Phoenix subordinates. Colby developed a paternal affection for the brash young Nebraskan, and the two remained very close until his death. DeCamp introduced Colby to Senator Schmidt, and Schmidt wanted to hire Colby as the Franklin Committee's initial investigator, but his fellow senators on the committee shot down the appointment because of rumors concerning King's affiliation with the CIA and Franklin monies being diverted to the Nicaraguan Contras. Do you think Discovery Channel was was all set to show this thing after Mythbusters, and then he saw like 10 minutes of footage and went nope, 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 nope. I would I would say so. Ugh. Because like yeah. I said, I can tell you this, I'm a Michigan boy talking to my friends on a, for a podcast over a, a microphone, but if you watch the 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 things these kids say, I mean, no there there are countless YouTube videos. Oh. And the uh I mean, you might think, I mean, just somebody clicking on it wouldn't wouldn't know, but if you sit and actually digest this thing, it is it is a monster. Ugh. It is a brain worm that will fuck you rotten because it's so disgusting, so terrible. Like I said, I'm reading partially from the franklincase.org, but like I said, I cited everything that I've watched. I've read the book, and I, you know, it's. I'll take a moment to just say explain probably the fascination and why um, I feel like it's so important to tell this story. I think there that even if an eighth of this is true, everybody should know about it because all these people need to be fucking tarred, feathered, shot, and thrown off a bridge. Which is how one of the people committed suicide. Right. One of the innocent brothers who just was like, playing with Legos and suddenly that's, one of them shot yeah. up his nose and out of the back of his brain. Yeah, that's the I think the thing that's 
the scariest about this whole story is even if a lot of it is fabricated, even if just one part, Mm -hmm. even just one part Mm -hmm. is right, it's true, it's incredibly fucked up. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so scary about it. Well, I got a few more curveballs to throw oh, to you guys, and then Jesus. we'll we'll wrap this sucker up because I don't. I want I want our listeners to check it out. And um, do you though? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> it's a okay. I Some mean, honestly, I, mean, I don't know like if I, I want to check out more of it. Just because, and I a lot of these times I do, but this is pretty messed up. Yeah, All right, yeah. I will say this. It's a pedophile ring that spreads out into the upper echelons of government. And there's always been rumors of a Hollywood pedophile ring. And there's always been rumors of like Catholic altar boy pedophile rings. Oh, that that one's true. uh, Well, yeah, this one's probably true, too. And so is the Hollywood one. But this is one that I'm focusing on today. Um, If you do want to check something out, watch Who Took Johnny. No. And that'll segue me. <laughs> no, who took Johnny's on Netflix? Okay. Let me let me um, jump back into Noreen and Noreen Gosh's story. So, Noreen, um, basically, it wasn't until neighbors began calling Johnny's parents, John and Noreen Gosh, saying they never received their morning papers that they realized their son was missing. Right? We know the story. She, the kid, the kid got taken and. Um, she never heard from him, but she heard little details. And like I said, um, Paul Benassi wrote to her and he's the one who actually connected dots. Like I said earlier, he is the one who said it was a green van. And by the way, he was the one who lured Johnny into the van. Wow. Yeah. Because kids trust kids. Yeah. So when he saw, when he saw him and he said, Hey, come on. That's when Johnny got in because remember when he saw the van earlier, he didn't trust it right. and walked away. Right. Right. Wow. And even though Noreen believes Paul was involved in that, he did that horrible injustice to her. She made up with him and um, she wholeheartedly believes in the pedophile ring and actually champions like people finding out about it. Mm-hmm. Now on top of that, um, she believed that her son was still alive and at one point she used an investigator to try because he knew there was going to be an auction <sighs> oh. yeah a kid auction so they got a second mortgage and gave him a bunch of money and said if you find Johnny just buy him and oh. the truth of the matter is if the police got wind of it and it looked like some sort of weird back, you know, backroads thing. They could just say they negotiated with his, you know, with the hostage mm. takers and paid the money. Do you think they had a two for Tuesday? <laughs> oh, was there a buy one get one? Yeah, Bogo, Bogo. <laughs> hey, uh, what's your drink specials here at the uh, child auction? Kids off, um, kids half off. Um, excuse me, your bathroom is a little plugged up, okay? I had to take a duke, and I don't auction well when I'm plugged up. 
my god have mercy on my soul okay <laughs> this auction did happen Ten out of five. We got three. 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 We got four. We got three. We got three. We got three. We We have one. Do we have two? Do we have three? Do we have four? Sold to the man and blue in the back. Sold. Can we get one dollar for the redheaded stepchild? Oh. He went for a pack of cards. And a smoke. And a smoke. Just kidding, redheaded stepchild. We all love you, especially the women. They grow up to be such feisty ones. You ever dated a redhead? I'm married to one. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Um, back back off, guys. I want to <laughs> live. Back off, brother. <laughs> I want to live another day. Jeez. All right. So, yes, there was an auction that this investigator went to, but Johnny wasn't there. We just saw boys in their underoos with uh, signs hanging on their chest. Uh, so uh, that you, happened in the you. 80s, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> what a weird now, decade. <laughs> Johnny Gosh. 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 Johnny's mom believed her son was still alive. She claimed to have spoken <sighs> to him. Uh, Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I can only, uh. Since... The morning he went missing. According to her account, around 2.30 a.m. on March 5th, 1997, she awoke to a loud knock at her apartment door. When she opened the front door, Noreen claims her 27-year-old son, she hadn't seen him since he was 12, and now he's 27 wow. years old, was standing before her, opening his shirt to reveal a birthmark on his chest that his mother knew he had. We talked about an hour or an hour and a half. He was with another man, but I have no idea who the person was. Johnny would look over to the other person for approval to speak. Mm. Noreen said later he didn't say where he was living or where he was going. The night that he came here, he was wearing jeans and a shirt and had a coat on because it was March. It was cold and his hair was long. It was shoulder length and it was straight and dyed black. She recalled in a 2005 interview because Noreen and John had already split up her and her husband. Mm Mm-hmm. Noreen's account of that night is still the only one that police have. In 2000, Noreen released a self-published book titled Why Johnny Can't Come Home, dealing what, detailing what she thinks has happened to her son with a pedophile ring. Mm. It's impossible to know whether or not Johnny really did visit his mom in 1997, but to this day, Noreen has private investigators on her side to help find out the truth about her son. Wow. So according to that, he came back. Mm. But because of the control, because of the deep webs, because of the higher echelons of government that it reached to, and the people that had been killed. It probably this just all was impossible came, for him this to all, get out of it. This all became apparent to him because he was on, uh, she was on a talk show, like kind of like a Jenny Jones, like something at the time. She came on and said, I love you. I'm not with your dad anymore. If you need me, this is this, and come find me, and I will do anything to help you. And then he came because wow. he saw the program. So we'll do a. I'm going to do this last little epilogue here before we finish. <sighs> okay. Now, Noreen, like I said, was married to a guy at the time, John. Uh, Johnny John B. Gosh. Senior, I guess. Um. <laughs> And um, there was some there's some weirdness to him, and we might end up having to do a part two later on. But oh please, um, no. 
I know. <laughs> maybe just a sh- maybe a short one, but maybe not. Um, so John Gosh um, and his wife divorced, right? Well, one of the times that Noreen was in contact with John DeCamp, the guy that wrote the Franklin cover-up and kind of spearheaded the grand jury indictment and all that, and to this day still is pursuing justice for this case. Um, had he had Noreen come out, right? And she came out to see him and it was this big deal. And he came up and said, you know, Noreen, it's so great to see you. It, you know, it's been a while since I last saw you. And she looked at him and said, uh, Mr. DeCamp, I haven't been here ever. And she, or John says, um, excuse me. <laughs> we, well, initially when you came out here for the, and we, we took you to the, to the, um, to into Nebraska with the, with the case and all the people like you were there and come to find out her husband had came there with an imposter wife. Really? Yeah. What? Weird. And on top of that, after she put that book out detailing that she, her ex-husband had taken an imposter wife, mm-hmm. that imposter wife died a few days later. Of suicide. Two like shots shooting. to the back of the head. Yep. And well, then hanging herself. It was the Acme Anvil. It's ah. it's a fucking it's a bruiser. <laughs> Piano over the head. The keys get stuck in where your teeth should be. <laughs> oh God. And and and, and yeah. So we're done. That's that. I mean, it's 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 a fucked up thing. It's it's yeah. just a, it's the story of a a political pedophile ring and. Did Johnny Gosh have anything to do with it? Here, all right. Let's let's round this out right now. This is it's verdict time. Okay. Oh. Do we actually think that this is true? And I'll start because I'm the one that brought this story to you guys' attention. I think so. I honestly think that's why it bothers me so much. Is I think that there's too many weird coincidences. If you look into it, it just seems like it's possible and. I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure that all the detail because supposedly the guy that videotaped like the Bohemian Grove thing with uh, Paul Benassi and all that was Hunter S. Thompson. That's not true. That's bullshit. I don't believe he would have been there. I maybe somebody who looked like him, somebody with a name like Rusty Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. I'm here to take pictures. Yeah. I'm a real artist if you yeah. get my meaning, if you get my drift. But yeah, that's I need something for my for my portfolio. <laughs> my portfolio to scuzzbucket.com. Yeah. This one's going up on Facebook, yeah. And can it's Randy you? Savage? Can I tag you? <laughs> oh yeah. This one's going on my Facebook, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make my own flacker or flicker. Flacker. <laughs> All right. So that's my claim. I think it's real. And I think it's real in that I do think there are pedophile rings. I sex trafficking is real. Mm-hmm. Kids get stolen. I know gays are just as more as prevalent as there are straights and just as prevalent as there are fucking loose warp strands of pedophiles out there. I believe this. I think Lord Oh. 
By the way, Larry Uh-oh. King has already been released from prison. That He's motherfucker. a used car salesman somewhere around Massachusetts area, Virginia area, somewhere in there. Can For I, real. Yeah. He's alive. And there was a review of his dealership on Yelp, I think, in the last year, and it was not good. So... <laughs> Uh, car was good. Uh, Larry's a little handsy, though. A little touchy-feely. He had a lot of mood rings on his fingers. It was kind of really weird. Sc- he really screwed me over. <laughs> <laughs> Told me. He started shifting the car like a stick shift, but it, it was an automatic, and that was my cock. <laughs> Third gear hurt a lot. <laughs> oh my god i shouldn't laugh because this is so fucked up i know i'm it's sorry the next episode I, from home i promise will uh, make it oh way more lighthearted. we're going for we're going for pixies and we should go with and, andy kaufman that's a good one that was still a lot did you die yeah oh uh, de- and do a death spiracy on it yeah Right on. I, okay, Josh, why don't you go? What do you think, given what I've talked uh, about? Um, with what you told us about, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with what I originally said, and that's that uh even if even if only ten percent of it is true, then it's it's so messed up. The, uh, I, I don't feel like we could ever really beat this story. And this that this would be the darkest episode that we've that we will ever do. Uh, it's 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 scary as hell, especially considering us three. I mean, we were all young at that time. That that could have been any one of us. Yeah, yeah. But and that's something I thought about when I researched the whole case and and thought it just i mean 80 like i said 82 that would have been a month after i was born in september when johnny was taken yeah i'd have been 36 (laughs) (laughs) and and of course you're still kicking larry He's like, yeah, I own, I own a car dealership now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Larry, what was your last name again? King. All of a sudden, he's just like, pretty tan. <laughs> I never noticed that before. Uh, I, and, of course, uh, being a parent, and I think any parent that hears this, it's going to pull on your heartstrings because yeah. it's yeah. it's terrible. I mean, I, you don't even, I guess you don't even have to be a parent. You just got to be a, a human being <laughs> yeah. to hear this and... To think that there's that much evil in the world, it's it, it. Any of the cryptids we've done, vampires, zombies, and all that, those are all fun and games. And except for uh, Peter Stump, oh, yeah. I think him and I think him and Larry King could hang out. Yeah, they would definitely be uh, chest bumping bros. <laughs> but uh, you know, it just uh, it just it's so scary to think that. Where That's I would real. I would almost yeah. prefer zombies in the world over you know stories of kids getting their dicks Dick bitten off, off. like. Yeah. Like it's so that's so dark. It's so evil. I'm I mean, sorry. that's going to keep me up because it's 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 that intense. So do I think it's real? Yes. Unfortunately, sadly, we know sex trafficking is a real thing in the world. We know that there is going to be these 
orgies and this just these disgusting acts it's well, it's real and it scares the shit out of me well before larry says his verdict i want to say on the side the the thing that also is very telling about a story like this is that when somebody tells you a story and they're tr- attempting to be disgusting or scary you can tell it's like um, it's like when you watch a, like a, a horror movie with an intense twist or something to it. When somebody tells you something that is a like true horror, it's yeah. most of the time the real story, the real history of something is so much more horrific than anything anybody could have thought up, anyways. And that's why, you know, on on. On a personal level, I love things like Game of Thrones so much because George R. R. Martin takes most of his influence for his storytelling from history, which you'll find in 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 his show or I'm sorry, in his book series, The Song of Ice and Fire. That's that's the truth. The things that are so undescribably horrific, like like I said before when we've talked on the show, Elizabeth Bathory's backstory is, is way more horrific than we've gotten to. The the Black Plague is 20 times more horrific than we've ever gotten to. We've mentioned things, but this story is so fucked, so disgusting, so wrong, so keep you up at night. Like I said, I only read one of the most disgusting testimonies I've ever heard in a trial ever. There are more, and they are just as bad, if not worse, you know, I, maybe I would rate something down just for the sauce that I get from it being, I don't know, not as death-ish. I mean, there's things that, that hurt people worse when they hear it. That one kills me because I could have had a son. I can't imagine what it would be like to lose him like that. And you're right. As a parent, it sucks to hear stories like the sex trafficking and all that. But anyway, Josh... I just, uh, I appreciate your verdict. So, Larry, why don't we go to you for the final of the three? Well, since you just stole everything I was about to say, and I'm the, always the skeptical one here, right? That's fine. <sighs> this definitely had. Are you playing the pan flute? <laughs> what are you, I'm Yanni sorry. over there? I was trying to inject <laughs> some light, lightheartedness. It didn't work. Um, it was so out of tune. <sighs> this definitely happened. I mean, it requires too much cooperation, collaboration with children telling the same lies. Children telling the same lies. It just seems to and there's so much money involved and corruption and that's a lot of money that was being pandered around. I mean, we're talking. Adjusted for inflation, that was over a hundred million dollars in Nebraska, and, which yeah. is like thirty trillion dollars in real people money. Exactly. I mean, you're you're owning like a lot of pig farms, in ground pool with that kind of money. <laughs> in ground, wow! Really shooting for the stars there in Nebraska. Um, man, and it's it's just I was horrified. Just oh, absolutely horrified by that story. I have not, like, there's no way, like, the greatest minds who have done horror have never come 
even close to touching a story like that that can't be made up. It just can't. And that horrifies me because I can't wrap my mind around that type of evil. Right. Well, I didn't hit on uh, Michael Aquino so much, but he was a big, he's a big factor into that whole thing. Like he had the temple set and supposedly he's the one who purchased a lot of these kids for child sacrifices. The kid. I don't want to get into it, but there's, there's, there's many different levels to it. It is, it is worse than any horror movie you've ever watched. And that's what really got me um, hooked on true crime, Mm -hmm. true history, just the reality of it. I mean, I take it in small doses. I listened. Of course. (laughs) Well, I listened to a podcast today about, um, about this election. I don't want to bring that up too much, but the the drain commissioner one. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of evil stuff went on with that. It, it was horrifying yet <laughs> enlightening. So I I took a nice break and I listened to They Might Be Giants and it was nice. So so are they? They might be giants. Yeah, are they giants? <laughs> they are in my heart. Okay, and okay. that's all that matters. That's, if that they is, are in your heart, true. then that's it. That's all that matters. Let's round it out, fellas. We just did our verdicts, so let's do some plugs, Larry. You got a new show, and I love it. Oh, so dude, talk you about heard it. The, you heard the preview, huh? I did. Me and filmmaker Justin Romine, who we interviewed a few podcasts ago. Check we that out. have started a podcast called The Off Script Podcast. What we talk about is movies and the people who make them. And our first, very first episode, which you can find now, we interview... Emmy award-winning actor Bill Oberst Jr. You can catch that on Twitter at OffscriptPod or on Facebook, Offscript Podcast. The links will be there. Uh, also, you can catch me on the Evis Podcast, which is a baseball history podcast, EvisPodcast.com. Josh? Well, if you are into wrestling, Larry and I also have a wrestling history podcast where we talk about uh, the stranger history of professional wrestling. And that, of course, is with my lovely wife. And that you can find on Twitter at Potty Slam Show. Mm-hmm. And you can find us, of course, on Facebook at potty slam and you can find us on twitter and all the other good stuff so and if you like our show please send us episode suggestions or questions if you'd like to conspiracy therapy show at gmail.com and also if you're wanting to know when an episode drops on a monday and you can get it go to us on conspiracy t show at at conspiracy t show um also seek us out on seek us out on Facebook Conspiracy Therapy and um that's about it. Also I want to say real quick thank you again to our fans for keeping us in the top 25 on Podomatic. Yeah, you guys and rock. Continue to rate and review. Please. It's been great. It's awesome to see people really liking this show we have so much more to come um Uh, and it's just going to keep getting better and better i also have one more plug i want to throw out there if that's okay oh absolutely sure go ahead uh i don't know if you guys remember but when we had our friend jen yes on 
she invited Larry and myself for an interview that we did uh, for a magazine, an upcoming local Grand Rapids magazine, and we just wanted to go ahead and kind of give back to that and let you guys know that we are in this magazine. Yes, and that magazine is Support Grand Rapids. They uh, are a brand new magazine here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the brainchild of Yvonne Glasgow, and uh, we will be in the December issue. So if you want to more know, if you want to more know, or if you want to know more, you can find it on facebook.com backslash support Grand Rapids. Support y'all. Support that shit. Uh, All right. I have some athletic support right now. Good. Well, we've meandered enough, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for you to listen to the next podcast on your queue or just go to bed. Hopefully it's happier than this. Hopefully. Our next episode will be a lot more lighthearted, I promise. <laughs> God, I hope so. Put handcuffs on your kids, lock them to their beds. Well, no that's handcuffs no, on kids. No, that's how they got in that position in the first place. Uh, Gatling guns at your front and yes. your back door with motion sensors. <laughs> if anybody in a green van tries to pick up your kid, um, blow them up with an RPG. <sighs> okay. I can get by that. More, more. All right. We love you guys, and I love you guys. So we'll see you on another episode of Conspiracy Therapy Podcast. Good night. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Ain't always look on the bright side of life This has been a presentation of Beer City Media.